Welcome to the Reiki Gateway Podcast with Reiki Masters Kathleen Johnson and Andrea Kennedy. Journey with us and let's explore what lies beyond the Reiki Gateway. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Beyond the Reiki Gateway. This is Kathleen Johnson with my co-host, Andrea Kennedy, and today's very special guest. Today, we welcome Dr. Linda Backman. She's a psychologist and a regression therapist, and she's had a practice for more than 40 years. We are delighted to have Linda with us today. She is a wealth of information, and we'll start, Linda, by asking you, first of all, how did you get into this work? It's always funny, Kathleen and Andrea's like, more than 40 years makes me think I've got to be at least 95, which I'm not <laughs> quite yet 95. Okay, so in all seriousness, to ground this whole topic that we're going to talk about today, the story in as small a nutshell as I can put it is that in 1993, I was in private practice, in general private practice, as a psychologist. I always like to say, minding my own business as a psychologist, doing what you would imagine someone would do in a general practice. Now, I'll just underscore just briefly that one type of patient or client that I'd worked a lot with was people um, in grief, people with chronic pain, chronic illness, sometimes, you know, a serious illness that might become fatal or grieving the death of, of a loved one. But I had no idea what was going to happen in 1993. So long story made as short as I can make it. In 93, when I was in my middle 40s, my original psychologist colleague, we had built a group practice with psychologists and psychiatrists. None of us did any kind of spiritual work at all. Sadly, my colleague died, transitioned, passed at the age of 32 in 1993. And within one to two days of his passing, I began to know he was talking to me. I had no doubt. I could feel his energy. I could intuit his communication, which was completely bizarre to me back then. And I also believed that he began to show me scenes of past lives in my mind's eye that we had shared as souls. So I thought that was just truly weirder than weird back then. So I said to my husband, I'd already been married to my husband for about 25 years. Both of us, my husband was a university professor. So, you know, we have all this formal education, but we had never talked about reincarnation or past lives. So I asked my husband to sit down. I said, I'm going to tell you what's going on for me. And, you know, the typical thing you say to a spouse, and honey, if you think this is completely crazy, you can just tell me you think it's crazy. Once I explained to, to him what was going on, he looked back at me calmly. And I said to him, so you don't think this is strange? And why don't you think this is strange? Because I could tell by the look on his face. He said, here's why. He said, surprisingly enough to him, here is why he didn't think it was strange. And my husband, whose first name is Earl, said to me, when I was a boy growing up, I remembered my past lives in detail. Earl said. He said, somehow I knew they were my lives. I knew they were real. But Earl said, I never told a soul because I thought they'd think that I was weirder than weird. Earl said, I forgot all about that until today. 
So Earl said, if you want to learn about this or study it or integrate it into your psychological private practice, go for it. So that was permission. That was complete permission for me um, to, to delve much more deeply. Then what began to happen, essentially, is I wanted to learn as much as I could possibly learn. I started reading, I started taking training. And, you know, to make 28 years to put that into a very small box, which is nearly impossible, but 93 is 28 years ago. I've been guiding regression, both past life regression and soul level regression, basically the past 27 or so years. I've written three books. This is the work that I've done all these many years. That's it's fascinating, Linda. I've heard your backstory before, but every time I hear it again, I am struck anew by, wow, what a left turn you got there from spirit, didn't you? <laughs> Out of the blue, basically. And you really just ran with it and doing very, very well with it and helping a lot of people. Now, I know you wrote three books and your most recent book, is called Souls on Earth, Exploring Interplanetary Past Lives, which I thought was quite interesting. But since the publication of that book, you've also begun delving into souls from the angelic realm. So that's fascinating. So right now, I guess you're guiding regressions for souls who are Earth-based, souls who are from the interplanetary systems, and those souls from the angelic realm. Is that correct? That's totally correct. I would love to know more about those souls and who they are, what they are, why they're here, what are their gifts, and what are their challenges. Absolutely, Kathleen. I am so curious about this because I have a little bit of knowledge on the subject, but I'm just a mere baby, I think, when it comes to this whole topic. So I'm really intrigued. And some of the vocabulary you've already used, I'm not really clear on. So the concept of angelic souls and interplanetary souls, I'm more science-based and I've heard a little of this. So please, can you just start maybe with explaining what these are for us? Andrea, that's a, a great place to begin because we need to all be on the same page and trust me, years ago, none of this terminology made any sense to me whatsoever. And I'll add in a quick comment, Andrea, because of what you've just said. I too am rather left-brained and rather cognitive and, and always have been. So it took me quite a while to begin to trust that, yes, I was hearing my colleague from the other side. And yes, all of us have intuitive capabilities, but I too started from a foundation of a left-brained perspective. So let me see if I can put some simplicity to this whole conversation. I'll start by talking about what is a soul, how does a soul evolve, and then what's unique about each of these types of souls. The, the, the bottom line is that Soul energy, when it is created with perfection, you know, it's kind of like, I always like to use analogies. So think about you're a child and you're in elementary school 
And every Monday, you get new spelling words. And by Friday, you're expected, hopefully, to know how to spell those 10 or 15 or however many there are, those spelling words. So you start off with a lack of ability uh, to have a, you might, we might say as a soul, we start off with a lack of high wisdom. And through incarnation after incarnation after incarnation, we grow and evolve. So from Monday to Tuesday, maybe spelling words one and two, and then maybe by Wednesday, you've figured out how to spell five of those 10 or 15 spelling words. The same is true with the soul. The soul comes into body. The soul grows and evolves in body, not out of body. So that's why we need to incarnate. So that's just, just, that's just the basic foundation of um, who are we as a soul and, and why do we incarnate? So what I've learned now that we'll jump to kind of a, a, maybe a college level of conversation, essentially souls that come to earth, come to earth to grow and evolve as an individual soul, but souls that come to earth come here because we're all on earth. If you're listening to this podcast, um, we, we come here to advance humanity. We come here to augment the, you might say, the integrity of humanity. And I know that sounds lofty and, you know, sort of high level, but that is the reason we come into body. So as I started diving into guiding clients, which, and, and I'm always fascinated, we all have spiritual guides, so I have no doubt that any and all of us have a guide, one or more. Initially, in my regression practice, the bulk of my clients, maybe from the late 90s into the early 2000s, most of my clients were souls that primarily incarnate on earth and gain their wisdom, almost like lifetime after lifetime after lifetime on earth. Then, Somewhere around 2004, maybe 2005, in that range of time. And, and let me just insert, I knew from my original mentor, and for people who might be more schooled in this topic, one of my original mentors is a man whose name, um, he's now on the other side, Dr. Michael Newton, who wrote some of the early books on soul level regression. So, he would he taught us that as we regress clients we would come across clients at times who don't typically incarnate on earth and so he would say to us you're going to have clients who have had past lives somewhere other than earth and then i know people go well is that the pleiades is that sirius is that andromeda and the bottom line is it's in so many different places in the celestial realm and many places we don't know the names. But so what happened in about 04, 05 is that I started realizing half of my regression practice, and I have for years and years have regressed people week in and week out pretty much. So I started noticing that 50 to 60% of my regression clients were souls that primarily incarnate other than on earth, that's what I call interplanetary souls. And the basic understanding of an interplanetary soul is that 
It is a soul that comes to earth with high wisdom because that soul has gained high evolution in a healthy community, a healthy location somewhere in the celestial realm. So I'll just pause there and see if you guys, there's lots more I could say, but see if you want to add questions in. I have a question. So does that mean Earth's like at the bottom of the totem pole here? Are we kind of like at the bottom rung here? (laughs) And so are all of the other realms that you're aware of that people have incarnated in, are they all really higher than here? Well, I think the easiest answer, Andrea, to that question is primarily yes. So for anybody out there that knows even a tiny bit about uh, astrology, astronomy, we know that planets, stars have a, have a lifespan. A planet will ultimately die. A star will ultimately die. And that's just a known fact if you happen to be someone who understands astronomy. So Earth is a younger planet. And yes, it's relatively true what you just said, Andrea, that we're still, you know, people listening are going to laugh at this, I think, but we're still at an elementary or teenage level of wisdom and integrity on this planet. That's pretty amazing. So for, you know, some of you, I'm going to leave out angelic souls for just a second, because I'm sure some of some of the listeners are saying to themselves, well, am I an earth-based soul? Am I an interplanetary soul? And and now I'll switch to my lingo, EB, earth-based, and IP, interplanetary. By and large, an earth-based soul is someone who's had almost all their incarnations on earth and is, relatively speaking, accustomed to life on earth, the nature of life on earth, the nature of communication, the nature of functioning within this physical container we call human body. An interplanetary soul, okay, here's an example. A client walks in, I start to interview the client. Actually, I'm doing most of my work of late, like a lot of people on Zoom. And so I meet the client and they begin to tell me things like, and listeners, this is not a hard and fast rule, but just an example. They begin to tell me things like, I've never found a comfortable romantic relationship, or I've been married and divorced three times, and none of those were useful relationships. I have two autoimmune disorders, or I've been diagnosed on the autistic spectrum, or I have digestive issues and my diet is extremely narrow. Those are often indications of an IP soul. And actually, let me make sure I not just talk about the the challenges, but the gifts. An interplanetary soul often is very, very deeply intuitive or has major skills at something like music or art or, you know, has very expansive, progressive gifts and skills, even had those skills when they were a child and didn't study them anywhere. So an IP soul comes in very evolved and yet at times challenged to operate in the human realm. 
Wow. I don't know about Kathleen, but my mind is just racing right now, evaluating my life, people I know, and the world and how it is right now. And I'm, oh, this is just fascinating. Okay. All right. Keep going. I'm reminded of a a quick story that'll give you kind of an example of this. This is a story about a family I'm very close to. um, And I'll try not to be overly graphic, but it will help. So this family at the time had a five-year-old son, very smart, the the son, very social, very um, conversational, had some learning, what today we call learning challenges. And at age five, this child was not yet bowel trained. And the parents were getting quite nervous because the child was going to start school in the fall and he couldn't start school unless he was bowel trained, blah, blah, blah. And um, my husband and I happened to be visiting this particular weekend. And um, I watched the mother and the father work with the son who always wanted to have his bowel movements in a pull-up, in a, you know, a diaper that fits a five-year-old. And I watched them work with him that night to get him, honestly, to use the toilet. And the fear on this little boy's face. I mean, this wasn't just obstinance or oppositional behavior. This was incredible fear of allowing this natural process to happen. And I was convinced at that point that this child was an IP soul, that he just hadn't had many lives in the human body. And he just wasn't used to this normal process. So that's graphic but is is an example. So anyway, I have worked with many clients over the course of 27 years, but I've worked a lot with interplanetary souls. And some years ago, my guide said to me, Linda, you need to write another book. So my third book is all material, client regression material with explanation from interplanetary souls. Well, then, and these are topics, we could talk about any of these topics for this whole time. So I'm sort of condensing them down. Then, I don't know, six to eight years ago, I also knew that there was a third type of soul, if you will. And that third type of soul is a soul that generally doesn't incarnate at all. And that's a soul that comes from the angelic realm. So quick explanation about the angelic realm. The angelic realm is a group of souls that are designed to support the divine. What I began to learn with clients about six to eight years ago, as one client after the other kept showing up, and I was discovering that some of my clients are not earth-based souls, And for the sake of the listener, um, you all might wonder, I I happen to be an earth-based soul. I've been incarnating on earth for an extremely long time. Um, That doesn't mean I've learned a lot. It just means I've been coming here a long time. So um, I, I began to work with clients very regularly. And I believe that my guides bring the clients into my practice that they want me to work with to support those clients, but they also want me, Linda, to learn more so I can support other clients. So um, I started working with clients that I came to learn during the regression were not earth-based, were not interplanetary, 
that are, um, and the term I use, are souls from the angelic realm. So let me just quickly explain the angelic realm. Um, The group of souls that, um, and they truly are um, created to be angelic souls, the souls in the angelic realm, their overriding purpose is to support divine energy. And I want everybody to know I'm not talking about religion per se, but if you want to fit this into religion, you can. It, it, this is just, you know, up to people's own perspective. But we're talking about souls that are created to serve as ambassadors of, think about the highest frequency of energy and to use, you know, the, the uh, human language is so inadequate, but the highest frequency of human energy is pure love, is pure love, pure compassion, pure um, integrity. And that's what the angelic realm is all about. So souls in the angelic realm, they are led by, if you will, the archangels. So the archangels, you might say, are the senior leaders um, a, a step or two below the divine, are the archangels. But there is a, you might just say, a cadre of angelic souls who are ambassadors of pure love and compassion. Well, earth is struggling. And I bet most listeners would agree Earth has insufficient love and compassion. We see this all the time. And so an angelic soul may um, agree, that's how I'll put it, an angelic soul may agree to embody on earth in a just a regular human body, just like any of the rest of us. Now, I'm going to stretch this slightly farther because these are the new things I'm teaching right now because they're coming in through clients. Um, The angelic realm is trying to figure out how to help earth, how to help humanity be more of integrity and, you know, of compassion. And so I, I know from client material that more angelic souls are preparing to incarnate on earth because we need their perspective. But what may or may not stretch the, the, the understanding of the listeners or may just tantalize the understanding of the listeners is that some of these angelic souls will come in through the birth process, through the normal uh, birth through the womb. But some of these angelic souls are going to come in, and the term that is typically used is uh, the term walk-in. And a walk-in, if you don't know what that means, some of you I'm sure do, that means, here's an example of a walk-in, and I'm going to use myself, except I'm not a walk-in, I'm, but, but it's just easier to explain it this way. An earth-based soul who has gained a fair amount of wisdom, earth life after earth life after earth life, at the soul level, that earth-based soul is offered the option of making an agreement that the original soul that animates that earth-based person's body, that original soul will be exchanged for an angelic realm 
soul. And that angelic realm soul will become the animating soul of that adult human. Because, because is probably obvious, but because um, we need, (laughs) here's the, I think in crazy ways, um, uh, we need more boots on the ground quickly. We need love and compassion in an adult body and not a baby. I mean, there will be babies born that are angelic souls. And I've worked with many um, uh, adult clients of all ages of uh, adulthood and some maybe late teenage years who are angelic realm souls. That's how I learned about this. And so we need more love and compassion. Yeah. Bottom line. That's amazing. I got tears in my eyes when you were talking about that and the fact that they're coming to help us. And I've had some of the same feelings myself about some of the changes, you know, that we've seen in the Reiki world. And I I don't want to get all simplistic or whatever, but I think that what I'm feeling is that at every level possible and through any avenue that we can receive help, it's coming to us. It's being offered. And oh my gosh, what an exciting time to be here on, on the earth. Yes, I so agree with that, Andrea. And that exciting, because I agree, it is exciting. That exciting time is also challenging because, and the challenge is we've got to step up. We've got to step into who we are. I'm going to just share briefly because this was so unique for me yesterday, and I'll try to make this short. I worked with a client yesterday, a between lives, soul regression client. And for for those of you that don't know what that means, it just simply explained, that means a past life regression that goes all the way to the point of the client, the, the, the past life ends, and we go to the death scene of the past life. And then we follow the natural journey of the soul of that client. We work at the client's level of soul or what we call higher self. Well, to just put this in a nutshell, and I, I never cease to be amazed sometimes at the material that comes forward with clients. But so this is a woman. Um, she is a young adult. She is going to be married soon. And um she is light-skinned. Her fiance is a man, light-skinned. She has two cousins who are in relationships. The cousins are light-skinned, but both cousins are in primary relationships, romantic relationships with people of color. And the, uh, the, the family members that are in relationships with people of color, there's been turmoil in the family. Um, Confusing about what the turmoil is about, but almost as if the couple that's about to be married isn't sensitive enough about the family members that are in, um, you know, biracial relationships. And bottom line is we go to a past life for the client, the client, and this is so detailed, it couldn't have been made up. The client goes to a past life as a man, as a white man who rapes a black woman. 
the past life is all about demonstrating and living out, leaving out lots of details. But the, the past life is all about demonstrating to the client that she must be more sensitive. And she's a pretty caring, sensitive person, but she must be more sensitive with these family members who are dealing in their life with biracial issues because the client is cleaning up karma from having been white and harmed a person of color. And it was just almost breathtaking because it explained some things that weren't being explained any other way. So just a quick example. Let me say a little bit more about angelic realm souls. Angelic realm souls are people that are the dearest, kindest, caring, and very emotionally sensitive kinds of people. And if they're not careful, they get, um, uh, how can I say it? They're challenged by how emotionally sensitive they are. And yet it's their nature. So when I work with an angelic realm client, I spend a lot, you know, once we learn that through the regression, I spend a lot of time helping them own who they are, embrace who they are, because they are so into love and compassion. I'm thinking about one angelic realm um, client, a woman that I've worked with far more than once. And one of the things she said to me recently is she said, you know, Linda, there's no such thing as forgiveness. I said, what do you mean? And she said, what is there to forgive? Why do we need to forgive people? They're just people, they're making mistakes, and forgiveness is unnecessary because it just ought to be automatic. Now, do I think that way in my head? To be quite candid, I don't. I'm not an angelic realm soul, but I know this woman quite well. She is a very, very dear and wonderful person. And um, she said, so what's the point? Why do we need to say you must have forgiveness for, you know, X person or Y person? Linda, I was curious when you were talking about angelic realm souls, do you think that there are more coming in now simply because of where we are in our history of humanity, or have they always been coming to earth and we are just now learning about them? What are your thoughts on that? What I'm hearing in my head is that in the creation of humanity, long, long, long ago, most people would say we've had incarnation on this planet for, we could say tens of thousands of years, and some would say more than a hundred thousand years that in the development and the early creation of humanity on the planet, the angelic realm was quite involved in the instigation of of humanity. And um, not just archangels, but for those of you that know much about archangels, you know, archangels are extremely highly evolved souls. And I believe there are, you know, some, some will say, well, there's four archangels. Some will say there's Raphael, um, Michael. I, I know some Hebrew, so I always want to wax into using their Hebrew names. Um, Raphael, Michael, Gabriel, and Uriel. But 
I'm fairly sure there are actually either seven or maybe even 10 archangels. Well, those highly powerful love and compassion oriented souls were involved in the establishment of humanity. Why? And I think the why is, and and some of this has come through regression work, um, the why is that the intentions of this planet were, and I, I don't want to be overly Pollyanna about this, but the intentions of this planet were that we would operate in unity and non-duality. That we, The terminology that I love is one is many and many is one. That whole conceptual framework. Except, obviously, that is not where we are. And, of course, we see this all the time right now in the United States, but we see it in other countries as well. It's not just the United States that's struggling with Black Lives Matter, and we now have a new term, you know, the new appropriate term is BIPOC, B-I-P-O-C, Black Indigenous People of Color, and that term's being used a lot. But there's a problem with marginalizing and denigration of people that are different than we are all over the globe. So angelic realm souls were involved early on in the development of humanity. At various periods of time, there would be an influx of angelic realm souls. But I think, Kathleen, the answer to your question is yes, there are more angelic souls. how can I say this? There are more than there often are in terms of number of angelic realm souls, and there are more coming. And that's what my guides are telling me um, all the time, that Linda, your practice is going to include more and more what I call AR souls. And so um, I have a new virtual course that I've just started that will not just focus on angelic realm souls, but will focus on how to identify an AR soul, how to cope with you or your friend or your partner or your child or whatever, who's an AR soul. And then how do we as EB, IP and AR souls, how do we have teamwork? Because we have to work together in order to advance humanity. Yeah. I had a question, too, in response to something you said. You had mentioned how archangels helped in the creation of humanity here on Earth. Is that what you had said? I don't want to mischaracterize. Yes. Yes. I I think that's completely true. Okay. And so the question then becomes for me, is that also true for the other planetary worlds or were those angels just, are they linked to Earth or are they throughout the planets? Yeah, great question, Andrea. Let me answer that in a couple of ways. So first, angelic realm souls, if they incarnate, which as I said, they don't incarnate very often, but if angelic realm souls incarnate, they incarnate on Earth. But just to kind of broaden that whole picture, um, So when Earth began having incarnation, when humanity began to occur, meaning souls um, embodied on Earth, the original souls that came to Earth were interplanetary. They came from somewhere else in the celestial realm. And there's a 
sizable group, what I would call a conglomerate soul group of souls that came from somewhere else that were the original um, conglomerate soul group that came to incarnate on earth. And once that soul group arrived on earth, those souls almost exclusively incarnated only on earth. Whereas interplanetary souls, you know, like I work a lot with these clients as well that are IP souls. They come from all kinds of places in the universe. And this is not home for an IP soul. But what's so important to remember is that an interplanetary soul only comes here because they're contributing their evolution to humanity's needs. Oh, that that's just fascinating. Oh, my goodness. Oh, could we just talk for a week straight? <laughs> sure. I think I have to take a class now or something. Okay. <laughs> Kathleen had a question. I do. I just, it's more of a comment and a question. You kind of answered my question before I asked it, Linda. I was going to ask you what, if you could clarify the purpose of IP souls when they come onto Earth. And I have a personal reason for asking this because you probably remember I'm an IP soul and I check a lot of the boxes for IP souls that you mentioned early on. I struggle sometimes being on Earth, actually, a lot of the time. Uh, I like to say that I usually feel as if everyone but me got the memo on how to behave on planet Earth. People seem to have a much easier time moving through their lives and knowing what to do and how to behave and just what to say, what to do. And I've struggled with that for as far back as I can remember. Even as a child, I would look to others like, okay, what do I do? And it was so illuminating for me when I finally learned through your guidance and the regressions we've had that I was an IP soul. So many pieces fell into place for me. And it has really shifted the way I think about myself, my purpose, and everything else about the world at large and humanity and earth and why I get so frustrated and impatient and just downright sad about planet earth. I don't get it. It's just like, why are people behaving this way? I don't understand it. So my question to you, Linda, is can you clarify a little bit more about the purpose of IP souls, except to sort of slog through life going, oh, my God, why am I here? Yeah, great question. And certainly, Kathleen, I know that about you because you and I have known each other for a fair length of time. I'm going to First, start with a quick example of someone who many of you might have watched on TV, who is a very overt example of an IP soul. Uh, I don't know, this is like 18 months to two years ago. There are many uh, virtual reality shows that I find fascinating, especially because they're mentoring, coaching kinds of shows. America's Got Talent, maybe 18 months or so ago, was won by a man, I want to say in his 30s, biracial, multiracial, I'm not sure which, and overtly, you can tell, diagnosed on the autistic spectrum. This man has visual challenges as well as communication challenges, and he is a genius in 
He's a singer-songwriter, and he won the whole competition. Um, he's a pianist and a singer-songwriter and writes these powerful songs and has this awesome voice. But if you looked at him, he walks with a white cane. He is assisted in his life by his mother. He has odd mannerisms with his eyes, and he is extremely gifted musically. But he has that social anxiety, that communication. He's an IP soul. I've never regressed him, but I would sort of (laughs) bet my, you know, my private practice on that. And so he's an extreme example of an IP soul. But what you just said, Kathleen, is so classic of interplanetary souls. And, you know, again, I'm not an interplanetary soul. I'm an Earth-based soul. And I, too, have these feelings about why do humans do what they do? But... My perspective, I suspect, is different than yours, Kathleen. It's like, okay, I'm Earth-based. I've come here, you know, over and over and over. But I think when you're an IP and you watch how people treat each other in inappropriate ways, it just virtually makes no sense. It just, it's like mind-boggling and just kind of doesn't compute. And it's because IP souls gain their wisdom long before they come to earth. So here's, this is probably a a question listeners are wondering about, where do IP souls come from? IP souls come from planets, star systems, even interdimensional space, um, non-dense locations as well. But where IP souls come from, the culture is healthy. People don't put each other down. People don't eat junk food all day long. People don't, you know, overuse drugs or use weapons. You know, that's a current big, big issue in the United States, these automatic weapons that only should be used, if ever used at all, by military people. But so you, Kathleen, and souls like you come from healthy places. So you look at the culture of humans, some humans, and you wonder, why do they scream at each other? Why do they strike their children? Why do they let their kids eat, you know, have poor nutrition? And I'm not talking about lack of funds and that sort of thing. It just makes no sense, much more so to an IP soul, and in some ways much more to an AR soul than an Earth-based soul who's been here lots and lots of times. Thanks, Linda, for explaining that. I do appreciate it. It is uh, sometimes a difficult road, and I know the couple times that you and I have gone through the regressions and I've returned home, if you will, honestly, I didn't want to come back. I wanted to stay right there because I felt so much at home. Now, of course, I realize that I have to come back and it's not as if I really have a choice in the matter, but it is remarkable that during a regression, how I just know that I'm home. It's that unmistakable sense of being exactly where I came from, which honestly, I have never felt on planet Earth. Yeah, Kathleen, a quick comment for that, because that's great. I'm glad you're saying that. 
almost always, if I'm guiding a regression for a client who either already knows they're an IP soul or in the regression, they discover it and it works both ways. Most of the time, the guides of the client afford that opportunity that you just described, Kathleen, for the client to, we might say, go home temporarily in the regression because it's like refueling. It's like pulling up to the petrol station and filling your gas tank with with petrol, with gasoline. It's like, okay, now I know who I am and I know where I come from. I can remember it and I can step back into my everyday earth life. But I found it rather interesting, and this is the beauty for me. I feel so blessed to to do the kind of work that I do because I learn new things in every client regression session. The other day, I was guiding a client, IP client, and I, as the regression therapist, we discovered the client was IP. And so I asked the guides, I said, um, spiritual guides would it be useful? And I always ask open-ended questions in a regression. Spiritual guides, would it be useful for, I don't even remember, and I'm certainly not going to use the right name, so I'll pull a name out of the air. Would it be useful, guides, for Carol to experience her soul home right now? And I heard something slightly different than I hear most of the time. The guides kind of paused and said, well, yes, all right, but it's going to be very brief. It will be a glimpse, like just sticking your big toe into the water and bringing it back out again. And the explanation was, and this is not what I typically hear, but the explanation was it would be very difficult for that client to, you know, forge ahead in their human life. So the client got a glimpse, almost like a um, hovering over home, got a glimpse, grasped it, you know, embraced it, and then the guides pulled that back. Now, I want to just say, because when I start talking about guides, um, I don't want people listening to think, oh, my guides are so much in control, and they run my life, and that people should worry about, oh, what if my guides won't let me do that or make me do that? By and large, that's not how guides operate. By and large, guides are benevolent and they're not like overly controlling, you know, authority figures. So I don't want to put that connotation on guides. And um, one more quick thought, and that is that one of the unique pieces of awareness that we all need to have about human incarnation, about no matter whether you're EB, IP, or AR, when you come to earth, you have free will. So no matter what your life contract is, and we create agreements before we come into body, we make agreements to learn in different ways. We can even make an agreement to have a um, a serious health issue that is for the purpose of our learning or the purpose of the learning of someone else or both. But in so many ways, um, we can go against those agreements. And so we have free will when we, when we come into body um, on earth. And of course, that's how we make uh, at times inappropriate free will choices. And that's how we step into karma. And then the karma needs to be balanced 
in the future. I had a question for you, Linda, actually a comment and then a question. We've heard perhaps, I know I have, terms like indigo children, crystal children, star seeds, things like that. And I know that's helped some people because they resonated with those sorts of concepts and definitions. So they felt like they could identify or explain some of what they've experienced through life or difficulties. And then to hear about the different soul types, it seems to, I don't know, overlap? Do they overlap? Are they the same thing and just labeled differently? Could you explain that a little bit? Yes, I I think they do overlap, Andrea. And most of the time when we're using these terms, you know, crystal, rainbow, um, indigo, children, those are usually interplanetary souls. So often those children have what we call learning challenges. Um, Oftentimes those children are diagnosed somewhere on the autistic spectrum. And, you know, probably most people know the autistic spectrum is broad and includes a variety of different types of diagnoses. But often those children are interplanetary souls. And that's like the man that won America's Got Talent. My sense is he's an interplanetary soul. He probably comes from a location in the celestial realm where they don't communicate through um, language, where they probably communicate through music, through sound. And that's why he's just massively gifted um, sound-wise. Wow. The other thing that strikes me about this topic is I feel like the level of help and support and love, I think, that could come through people understanding who they are at this level, if everybody could just understand where they are in the spectrum, if they could get that sort of insight about themselves, the the world would just change. It would just literally change overnight. I I feel that's true. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think, Andrea, that's so true. I mean, I think that's what, you know, Kathleen, you've talked about is that when you can say to yourself, you know, there's not anything wrong with me. I just don't happen to regularly come to earth. And that's why I am the way I am. And I mean, that I feel like in part, that's my purpose in doing this kind of work is helping people embrace and accept themselves and be able to put a a healthy label on why they are the way they are. Oh, absolutely. In my mind, that's your purpose. That feels so much like this is why you do the work you do, because you're helping people discover who they are. And once they discover who they are, they become more comfortable with themselves. They understand why they're here and what a difference that makes. I know for me, it was truly life-changing. And I, I know that's a word that gets kicked around a lot, but it really was life-changing for me. And I would invite anyone who's interested to try to get to know themselves, as Dr. Backman, Linda here says, on a soul level, not just, you know, who am I, Kathleen Johnson, I live in Pennsylvania, not like that, on a soul level, who are you? Because it can reap so many benefits in your life. 
Yes, Kathleen, I think that's so true. And I'll just add in, as you're saying that, what comes to mind from regressions is that the bulk of humanity are not experienced souls. We live, and this is not to say anybody's better, worse, any of that. All of us were young souls at one point. And we gained our evolution. This would, to some extent, leave out angelic realm souls for a second. But for IP souls and EB souls, we gained our evolution either lifetime after lifetime of learning and also, you know, misstepping and cleaning up missteps. An EB soul evolves primarily in body on earth. An IP soul evolves because of the culture where they come from in the celestial realm. And and an AR soul does evolve, but primarily um, is highly evolved because they're an AR soul. That's not to say there isn't growth they can gain. But the bottom line is that the population of Earth is primarily, you might say, adolescent level of evolution. So that those of us who are more evolved, and we've probably worked very hard to get there, and I don't want to make this better than or anything like that, but um, we're about 5% of the human population. But those are probably the people, many of the people that would lean toward listening to this kind of a podcast as well. But um, part of the reason we're here in body is to aid humanity's development however we aid that. I mean, that might be taking dinner once a week to your elderly neighbor that, you know, needs a hot meal. That's aiding humanity. Um, That's the reason we are in body on earth. So ultimately, what I'm taking away from all this is no matter where we come from, whether we're an EB soul, an IP soul, or an AR soul, We are here to be of service to each other. Period. Amen. End of story. Agreed. Period. Amen. End of story. Fully agreed, Kathleen. And then I'll add in another piece that I hear for clients all the time, and I hear this from my own guides too, is as humans, we have to remember to take time for anything that creates joy for us. That just because we know humanity will only evolve through active behavior um, on the part of many of us, by the same token, because sometimes many of us, myself included, we get too serious and we get too hung up on, well, I've got to make sure I, you know, get that podcast ready, or I've got to be sure I add in that one more client or I got to go sweep the kitchen or whatever it might be. Um, Be sure we take time to play and guides tell clients that in, in my presence all the time. So that's crucial. That's great advice, Linda. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Message noted. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. We all need to learn how to play in addition to working and doing what we need to do while we're on planet earth. I think we are just about out of time. The time has flown as I knew it would. 
And I'm so happy that you were able to be here with us today, Linda. It's been wonderful. I could spend a week just discussing these things with you. And Andrea's nodding her head. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's been really interesting. And this just touches on some of the things that we could talk about. And hopefully you can come back on a future episode with us and talk about some more of these things and what you've learned since now, because it seems like you're just continuing to gather information all the time. And I can't wait to learn what you've uncovered as time goes on. Well, it's my great pleasure. Thank you so much, Kathleen and Andrea, for having me. This is one of my favorite topics in the world, maybe short of my grandchildren or something like that. And so thank you for having me. And uh, it's, it's, it's been wonderful chatting with both of you. I have just gotten so excited about this whole topic, about everything that you've presented to us today. Thank you so much for that. The fantastic examples and discussion. And could you please let our listeners know your website? Of course, we'll put all this down in the show notes, but I bet we've got people listening and they want to know more. They don't want this podcast to end. So if you could tell them how to find out more about you, please do that. Great. I'm happy to do that. So my uh, my website is Raven Heart Center. So Raven like the bird, heart like the heart in your chest, center, the American spelling, C-E-N-T-E-R, ravenheartcenter.com. There's information there. I have this new virtual course I've just begun. It's all recorded if that interests people, but all of that is on my website. Book information is there, training, regressions, whatever. Ravenheartcenter.com is where you can find me. That's fantastic. Thank you so much again, Linda. I have just so enjoyed it. Thanks, Linda. It was great seeing you again. Take good care until we meet again. Thank you so much to both of you. Take care. Thank you again for joining us, and we would invite you to return to another episode as we journey beyond the Reiki Gateway with Kathleen Johnson and Andrea Kennedy.